Hello and welcome back to Are We Gonna Film. I'm Zach. And I'm Sydney Lumet. <laughs> oh, I'm a big fan of your work on 12 Angry Men. Yes, it took a long time to film. Everyone kept forgetting their lines, especially mm. Henry Fonda. <laughs> yeah, it's that, that old silly old rascal, Henry Fonda, am I right? Yep. Okay, well, <clears throat> uh, this is our podcast, Are We Can Film, where every week we discuss the films we watched this week. We also like to spruce it up a little bit with some fun games like movie quote trivia and read our email. Uh, so we're going to start out with some nice and good movie quote trivia. Uh, Are we? Yeah. Well, sounds like Raven might be escaping from our house. Here is a quote here. <clears throat> Uh, here's the thing about power. What good is power if you got nothing to, if you got nobody to share it with? Mm, I don't know. That is from the movie Shazam, the recent uh, 2019 superhero movie Shazam. Don't remember that quote, but yeah, yeah. it was a good movie. We watched it together opening Yeah, night. me neither. I was just like, I should come up with a movie quote, and then I looked up, and then I saw my, my minimalist poster of Shazam, and then I looked up Shazam quotes. Interesting. Yeah, yep. good movie. Funny movie. Funny movie. Would you agree? I would agree. It was funny. Yeah. Remember when we watched it together? Yeah, I do. Good times. Should we recount in excruciating detail that day? I don't think we need to, no. Okay. Alright, so what did you watch on the 31st? Uh, I have I didn't watch anything until the... Uh, um, the uh, uh, until two days ago, so... Okay. Which was the 3rd of August, so... Uh, well, on the 31st, I watched the hit t- Steven Spielberg movie. Yes. Catch Me If You Can, ah. which I read because of my was your English book. English Was it project. better than the book? No, I wouldn't say so. Was it similar? Like, or was it like one of those books where it's completely different from the movie? Oops, dropping my dice. Okay, Beppu? Uh, it was what? Okay, Beppu? That's funny. I watched no it was it I mean it was similar it was similar to the movie or the book they added you know they added some dramatic elements because the book is is a non you know the book is autobiographical it's non-fiction so Oh is it? Yes. Mm. I didn't know that. Like yeah. Jordan Belfort. Mhm. And so so it's all a true story? Yes. Wow. So autobiographical means well, yeah, it could be exaggerated. Uh, I'm, I, uh, it could be. I don't know. It's he. he it's autobiographical. He could be making yeah. up half of it. But, yeah. um. But yeah, they so they added like sort of more of a like emotional like relationship plot line between uh, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks, which Leonardo DiCaprio plays a teenage teenage boy who's sixteen, and he goes. He's the main character, right? Yes, and mm-hmm. he. Uh, his parents get divorced, and so he leaves his. Ha- he runs away from home, and he starts becoming. Uh, well, he becomes one of the most you know successful con men of all time, and he. He uh, at, at, at age sixteen. Yeah, he, uh, he and the book is all takes place when he was sixteen. Well, it takes place from like sixteen to like twenty, uh. like twenty two or something like that, and so he started out being an airline. He started up. He started out um, uh, realizing that airline pilots. Uh, could cash fake could cash checks easier, cash checks in bigger amounts, and since he was cashing fake checks, at first just from a checkbook he had that he had overdrawn on, but but eventually he grew his business. He was like, you know what, these 
he notices pilots that are such a big position of authority, no one questions them. So eventually he gets a pilot's uniform, he becomes a pilot, or he doesn't become a pilot, he gets a pilot's he uniform. He doesn't get his license, just no, he doesn't posing get, as one? He, he, literally, he literally, like, cons a, a uniform shop into wow. thinking that he's a pilot, he, and then he, he pretends to be, a, like, a school reporter, and he interviews a, a pilot to find out, like, what the <laughs> lingo is, and, yeah. like, like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty smart. interesting. I definitely recommend reading the book more than this, because the, movie is it's fun but you don't get the full story the full story is even is even more interesting like they talk about how or in in the well in the in the movie too but in in the movie it's more just for the just to get the romantic act uh, aspect going but in the in the book he um he also well he fakes becoming a pilot a doctor and a lawyer mm-hmm. all within like his first two years of doing this and uh when he's a doctor he He's he basically uh, is the pretends to be like a seasoned uh, like head doctor, and he has a friend who says, "Hey, you wanna you know um, you wanna work this hospital? I just need someone to watch over these six uh, trainees." And basically, he's just there watching in like a pediatric office. Is like kid kid like a kid got his like leg like burned off, and he just comes up there. He he's he's afraid of blood. And he, so he's like gagging, and he has like these two like, 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 trainee doctors. They're licensed doctors, but they're stuff to like do their years of training under a real doctor. And he says like, yeah, you guys got it. And then he goes and barfs into a trash can. It's, mm-hmm. it's very very interesting. I I recommend reading the book over the movie because there's just so much more detail. Mm-hmm. But as, both are very interesting. Are. Yeah, and the movie adds a more of a uh, it adds a sort of a father-son dynamic between the FBI agent who's chasing him and... The FBI agent, Tom Hanks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. The Yeah, and so that's sort of like where the dramatic aspect comes in because the one thing about the book is that there's not... Since it's nonfiction, there's no, like, traditional, like, three-act story structure. Um, so that adds sort of more of something like that. And, yeah, but both are good. I gave Catch Me If You Can three and a half stars. And, uh, all, all your friends watched it too, right? Yeah, because they're all doing it for a book report. It, it was from a list of books, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that was the best one out of them. That's the, was that's it all the one I was interested in. Autobiographical. Uh, I'm not sure, but they also had All the President's Men, which is a movie with Dustin Hoffman and mm-hmm. Robert Redford, which I watched mm-hmm. like a year ago on a, on a plane to London. Oh. But yeah. That. You could have just written your book report on uh, the movie. Didn't have to watch the book, read the book. Mm, probably would have had to watch the movie. I would read the book also. Did though. you write your book report already? No. Oh. When does it do? I don't know. Well, it's due on August 11th. Oh, man. Better get to it. Um, uh, no. I will not get to it based on you your do it instructions. On August 10th. I will do it whatever I want to because I am a free man. On August 1st, I watched. Da five, five Bloods, Bloods. Mm-hmm. the hit. Not was it a hit? It wasn't. No, it, was, it wasn't Pretty. a hit. It has a three point six average. I watched the new Spike Lee film, uh, yes. the Five Bloods, which I've only ever seen Black Klansman before it. The reason I watched this is because I I was like, you know, I haven't watched any recent movies, so so I went to my Instagram and I told everyone to pick a number between one and one hundred fifty three, and mm-hmm. I said whichever number they pick i'll watch that movie 
based on the letterbox popularity in yeah. Netflix. How many how many people responded? Twelve. Twelve. And I scrapped I scrapped that project because I realized I the highest rated film on that list was in fact to five bloods and everything was lower than that so I was like I don't really want to do this so I only watched three of those but uh, it was fun I'm gonna give up it was fun nope not giving up only nine more you should maybe just watch like two a month not giving up I'm withdrawing from the competition Mm -hmm. Uh, you should just watch like two a month you should finish finish strong mm, before the year's over I already have 15 other projects going on Kevin Mm -hmm. I'm not going to it's like you're overwhelming yourself Mm. Seems, seems like maybe you uh, should stop telling me to watch things. Uh, watch things? I'm not. I'm just. You're saying I'm just, you gotta just finish it. Having a conversation. I'm just suggesting. The Five things. Bloods. Oh, The Five Bloods is. I'm just suggesting it. The Five Bloods is good. Uh, although it's about Vietnam, right? Yeah, it's about it's about like four Vietnam veterans who go back to Vietnam because when they were there originally they found a a uh, chest full of gold bars mm-hmm. uh, that was apparently there to pay something or something rather but anyways they mm-hmm. found it and then they buried it and then so the movie is about them trying to go back and find it that's interesting uh yeah I mean, it's not a true story right I don't think so I don't know probably not I mean it takes place it takes place in present day so I'm sure it's made up um but, yeah, it was good, but there wasn't... The thing is, there's not... Um, I feel like there's not a lot of real substance behind it. It's just kind of like a... It's kind of just like a story where they go and find stuff. Uh, they get tunted down by some people. They have, like, falling outs and stuff. But there's no real, like... I guess there's no... I didn't get anything valuable vi- val- uh, valuable out of the movie all that much. Mm. I mean, they had they talked a lot about how, you know, Vietnamese black people were disproportionately uh, represented in the Vietnamese war. They were like 30-something percent in the war, even though it's less much less than that in actual America. So it's like they were getting drafted more often than white people, and they talked about that, but like... That other than that, there wasn't really any big thing to take away from it, any message. It wasn't that interesting of a story. I mean, it was interesting, but not all the characters were super compelling. The, I wrote in my review, it's just like every, it's just like everything about the movie, every single aspect is like fine and passable, but it, nothing goes above and beyond. There's no astounding thing. Nothing shocked me. It's well made. Um, I like the little, like like rant like cuts to like historical images and things like that but in terms of real real like engagingness it didn't engage me that much so here are three stars and i also watched that day i watched the half of it the hit rom-com which came out this year also about a girl who i did recognize the poster yeah, it's the second most popular movie on Netflix this year. Wow. Uh, it's about a girl who's like a book nerd type classic nerdy character. and Like Hermione? Yeah, like Hermione. And she has a uh, guy who comes up to her and asks her to write her a love letter. Asks her to write him, write a love letter to the girl who, who he is interested in. So like kind of a, like that one part in Green Book? 
or yeah. Marshall or Leroy Stillers and stuff like that. And yeah, and I, I think they implied that it's some sort of like um like service that she's done before, like because she also does people's homework in exchange for money and, and things stuff like that. So, uh, but eventually, can I guess that? She actually starts dating the guy she's writing to, and the guy, or the guy, uh, it isn't. <laughs> what? Like, she starts to fall in love to the to the person she's writing to. Yes. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, and it, so, yeah. Well, yeah, it's pretty much how it goes. It's obviously, you know, they did this, there's a similar thing. And that's in, not even the half of it. <laughs> There's a similar thing in some... Uh, I forgot the name of the movie. The movie with Barb from Stranger Things. Um, um, the Netflix... I don't know what it's called. Sarah Burgess is a movie. Yes, that movie. That movie... Did ha- you watch that? Yeah, I did watch uh-huh. that. That movie has kind of a similar idea where it's like... Where she pretended... Where she basically pretended to be someone she wasn't in order to get with a guy so to speak but this one is much more mature than that it's not cringy really it's not you know doesn't have too many you know tropes or anything it's it's very i'd say like i guess grown up so to speak but at the same time it still feels what i how to describe it it kind of feels like like you had like a good director like a director who's actually passionate about filmmaking and then they were just like assigned to a like a dumb teen comedy yeah. and they just like did the best they could with what they were given or they were like t- they were like kind of guided in certain directions and kind of different beats that they have to hit but then they had control elsewhere because it kind of felt I mean it's just it's well directed and, and it looks the movie looks good I mean it's it's pretty well paced but it just all that kind of feels like a like a like a mask and when you get down to it it's still kind of like a lot of the other Netflix teen comedies, it's just kind of a little bit dressed up. It's got a little garnish on it. Good direction, but not a good script. No, the script is good too. I mean, it's like the it's like the, I guess like the superficial aspects of the script are good. Script are good, or I get I don't know how to exactly describe it. It's just it's like the, it's like the it's like the skeleton of the script is like a teen com- like a teen comedy, and then everything that you build around that is good. Like, uh, do you understand what I mean? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So. But anyways, yeah. It's 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 good. You know, it doesn't have too many... The, the premise is mm-hmm. bad, but the script is good? Sh- sure, yes. That would be a good way to describe it. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like there's nothing too wrong with that. It sounds like a, kind of a positive. Well, it's not the premise. It's the whole movie. The whole... The basic idea of the movie, <laughs> basic idea of the movie is uh, bad. Yes. But the way that that idea was executed was good. Oh, sounds like. But a plus. in the movie, the bad, the that st- that bad idea was still in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just that it was, it was, it was, they did as much as they could to make it to make that bad idea good. But the bad idea was still there. It's just that it was kind of, it kind of you could kind of be entertained more than usual with that idea. The idea was still there, mm. so maybe I just have to watch it to understand yeah. what I'm talking about. Except that I will never watch it. So I gave it three stars. Mm. Corinne Parks gave it three stars too. Very good, very good. Shout out to Corinne. Uh, yeah. It seems like most people are just giving it three stars. It seems like it's a good, it's a good three star movie, and uh, you know, 
I would say watch it if you want to. I don't want to. Okay. That was just for the listeners at home. Yeah, I know. Okay, and then you said you didn't watch anything until the third, right? Third, yeah. Can you guess what the next movie I watched was? The Kissing Booth 2. How'd you know? I can see your phone. Drat. I watched The Kissing Booth 2. What are you doing? Did you like this movie? Why did you share that to did me? Did you like it? Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, I watched The Kissing Booth 2. And? And I it I saw you liked it a little better than the first one. Did I? I mean, you gave the first one a half star. You gave this one one star. Did so, I? Yes. I'm on the deep end. Maybe, Must have. Maybe you didn't. I think I might have changed this it. This one, you gave it a half star. I'm almost positive that you did. Hmm. Well, anyways, Kissing Booth 2 doesn't need to... I don't know why this movie... Well, I know why it exists, but it's just like there's... No reason for it to exist. There's no nobody needed to hear the rest of the story. Money. The uh, the bi- the biggest thing is it's t- way too long. It's like over. It's t- over two hours long. It's an hour and thirty two. Uh, no, it's uh, two hours and twelve minutes long. Is that runtime deserved? No, I was. I thought that was implied. Yeah, I was just asking. Uh, and you know, it's just like. <laughs> It feels like the most, feels like the most, not, I, I say, I'm going to say sensory, not in terms of like, like sexual, but like sensory in terms of it's just trying to appeal to the most basic, um, uncomplex uh, feelings and emotions in a human being. There's no nuance or um, discretion or there's no like, there's no there's no intrigue it's just like here's a here's a bunch of people who are all physically perfect and uh all live in big houses and all have uh all have problems that uh get resolved in a nice neat and packaged up way uh very predictable way and uh nothing interesting happens it's just the most uncreative uh, un aspirational movie mm. seen in a while. At least with a bad movie. At least with one of my cult cinema classics movie. You at least you, there's at least something there to because it's weird. It's like it's like how could they possibly have made such a bad movie? But with this, it's just like mm-hmm. there's nothing at all that's trying something. It's a product. It's all just yeah exactly. So I give it one star. Eye candy for you to glaze your eyes over. Yes, I give it one star. Also, the 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 cinematography is absolutely awful. It's like just just looks like it looks like they just shot like a like a looks like it's filmed inside um like a a sweet shop. Oh yeah, (laughs) kind of the way to describe it. Yeah, it's just very very bright and there's no there's no like interesting. I mean, all the camera, all the camera angles are just you know the basic, over the shoulder, back and forth, mm-hmm. whatever. So nothing creative. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess. guess, I guess so I, what did you watch on the third, Kevin? The third, and <laughs> I don't, I don't have much more to say about this because I've talked about it three times on the show already. I watched Election again wow. for the fourth time. That's crazy. 
because I love it, and <laughs> I showed it to Adam, and he liked it, and I liked it. Your movie sucks. No, not no. My friend Adam. Oh, because you said Adam, kind of like how his name, how Adam's yeah. name is spelled. Well, we both loved it. Mm-hmm. He said he really liked it, and I also really liked it. Obviously, it's my fourth favorite movie, and I love it. And I once again recommend it to you. Okay, maybe you should recommend it to me sometime. I don't know what else to say. I already talked about it. It's fantastic. No new insights this time? No new insights. Mm. Not, not you know, really considering the think. fact that you've watched it three ta- four times, maybe you should start maybe you should watch some of those good supplements. Yeah, I know. Oh, I suggested watching it to Adam, but I don't think both of us really wanted to watch it mm. at that moment. Well But I will, they've got some good supplements. I read the booklet already. Probably read it again sometime. I just love that movie. And Corinne got the criterion of it, too. Actually, wow. She got it on DVD. Wow. DVD criterion. That's awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. You should check it out, Zach. Should I? You should recommend it to me next week. You could just watch it on your own free will, though. Well, the whole point of the recommendation system is for, is for each, uh, each other to recommend the, mo- the movie that we both desperately want the other one to watch the most. Is that the point of it? Well, what else would the point be? I don't know, just give a random movie that you liked. Oh, that's not how I've been using the recommendation. Uh, but it's just it's like, you know, I already, I already, we, we, we just talked about it, and to recommend it would be like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, okay, whatever, maybe I'll recommend it sometime. Uh, okay. But you should watch it. I recommend it to you. Unofficially. Well, Kevin, I am so well, glad Zach. you told me that because I want to talk about the movie I watched on August fourth. I also watched a movie on August. 4th. One of three. How many movies did you watch on August fourth? Uh, three. Okay, so I'll do one, and then you'll do one. And then you'll do one. Okay, so the first one I watched is called. Br- I'll do a oh, I watched sleep. three. Author of Brave New World. I watched three James Stewart films. I know. Was it the, like the uh, the Wait a Minute trilogy? No, <laughs> I don't like the Dollars trilogy. I don't understand. Wait a Minute trilogy. There was a good. There's a good. There's a good uh, little time spread here. It goes all the way from 1940 to like 1973 or six. But the first one I watched is that's what that's what eternal beings like to have. 1976 at, at their dinner parties, they have a time spread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> veggies into the times. Dip their veggies into the 13th century. Hello, Goshlock. And they go, main on Congo. All the eternal beings at their dinner uh, Well, I watched the movie Broken Arrow. Uh-huh. Except if they were, if they if they could just have time dip, then they wouldn't even have to have that conversation. Time spread. Time spread. Then they wouldn't even have to have the conversation because the conversation would have already happened because they are... I'm assuming fifth di- five dimensional beings that exist in all all at all time, in every time. Anyways, I watched the movie Broken Arrow. Could you stop doing that? That's how I breathe. Mm. Continue. Broken Blossoms. I watched the movie Broken. Could no. Be a Griffith film. No. From 1919. No. Bro- Broken Arrow. Yes. With James Stewart. Yes. Oh, I love the movie. How was it? Did you like it? You have never seen the movie. You don't know that. What are you doing with your phone? Why do you have it propped up like that? Are you watching a movie? Nope. Oh. It's 
a bit oh. weird. Well, anyways, I watched Broken Arrow. It was about James Stewart, who was a native... No, no sorry, I messed that up. God, God. James Stewart was a cowboy who um, found a Native American, uh, like, who had gotten shot, I think, by mm-hmm. some by some Arutan Tutan cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Stewart was actually panning for the goal at the time, but he found this guy... He and he, you know, he took pity on them. This is during 1890 something, where you know pressures are mounting with the Indians in the uh, American War, uh, and so he found him. He healed him up, and then he earned the good grace of Native Americans. Uh, and eventually, and basically, the whole movie details him trying to make peace with the Native Americans. And trying to, uh, you know, kind of uh, cool down the tensions that were going on with this war. And just try to make less people die. And that he's kind of just serves as a uh, intermediary guy. And apparently this is based on a true story. And um, apparently they like... Um, yeah, so apparently it's based on a true story. And it was pretty interesting. I liked James Stewart's character a lot. He was very... He was both, you know, very strong and also very kind and understanding. I liked the way... I loved the way they portrayed Native Americans instead of... It wasn't like a Cowboys versus Indians type movie. It was very... You know, they just treated the Native Americans just like any other uh, human being. As they should be, and um, you got something in your teeth. Thank you. Uh, Just there. So I've, I say that because it was made in like 1950. Of course, now that wouldn't—it's not really a problem. But back in you know 1950, they had a lot of those types of movies where it was just kind of dismissive of the fact that Native Americans are actual human beings who just feel have feelings and emotions just like us and they're not just you know savage creatures as mm-hmm. you know early americans like to believe and uh so yeah it just kind of it kind of there's kind of you know makes both sides neither side in this story is the bad guy um both are kind of trying to you know come to a reach a conclusion you know, come to an agreement, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And, of course, there's some people who are like, ah, no, of course, no, like, uh, the Native Americans are dirty swindlers, cheats, and liars, and we can't let them uh, continue existing. And uh, there are some people in that movie, but they're not really part of the movie. So um, they're not, you know, a main part of the movie. It was just interesting to see. I mean, it's mostly just um, kind of inter-character conversation and conflict and things like that probably not explaining that but well but yeah so i i liked it the things i didn't like was it didn't have you know there's a romance between james stewart and one of the and a girl in the native american tribe and that wasn't very well you know developed some of the the store you know you know the cinematography was kind of just basic going through the motions type cinematography not bad but not good necessarily either uh, i'd say it's pretty much just like a uh it's a big it's a big entertainment type movie it definitely entertained me there's no like uh there's no expectation of real deepness in the movie and i didn't expect that but of course i always prefer when a movie will do that but so 
that's why I gave it three stars. Mm. But I still thought it was good, and I enjoyed watching it. It was, you know, surpassed my expectations, so to speak, because I haven't been that pleased with some of the other James Stewart westerns, but this one is yeah, pretty good. Have you good. been having fun on your watch through of all of them? How many have you seen now? Of the James Stewart movies? Yeah. I've seen... Let's see, seven. I've seen seventeen percent of one hundred twenty-eight. Wow! So yeah, but yeah, if I wanted to, I could bring that up to like thirty because I have like a playlist of like all the short films I could find just for, ready for me to watch whenever I want to. And uh, so how, that would probably take me like three hours. How come you chose James Stewart? Is he just your favorite actor? Uh, he he's just a good guy, and I feel like as I go through this, I feel like James Stewart is kind of like been like a through line through a lot of different movies you know you can see him with you can see him very early on when in with clark gable and the wife's secretary which i haven't seen and then you can see you just you can just go throughout the history of of early gold in hollywood see a lot of classic movies had a lot of interesting movies but also gain you know also gain a perspective on what sort of like the the typical you know what the you know, just like this week's movie would be back in nineteen, you know, forty. Because you know, it's, you know, you were asking me like, why are you watching these? You're not giving that high of a rating. It's true, they're not all good, but I just enjoy sort of like the histor, like the historical. It just intrigues me historically to just sort of, I guess it kind of brings me back into that time and gets me into that sort of mindset that people had. Of just coming, going down to the cinema and seeing a fun, fun western movie. Yeah, a new picture. It's just kind of fun. Yeah, you know, it's just fun to see, just like the average movie. Not not necessarily a masterpiece, but Mm -hmm. still good, still entertaining. Yeah. Your your everyday movie. So, what did you watch on? Okay. Well, I watched um, the Day Trippers. Whoa, that's crazy. Yep. If I if this wasn't a podcast, I might do a physical sight gag where I get up and I say, "Hey, sorry, I have to go to the bathroom," and then I trip and fall, and I say, "Oh, I just tripped during the day." I guess you could call me a day tripper. Yeah. <laughs> Should I talk about the movie if you want to? Okay. Well, man, you you just have so much to say about all your movies. I can't I can't talk that much. Hmm. What can I say? I guess I'm just smarter than you. <laughs> you should talk about Breaking Bad instead. Yeah, I, I could go on. Anyways, uh, this was a really great movie. It was... Um, Hold on, shut up. It's time for our weekly segment, The Word of the Week. Uh, it's, the, it's the segment where I interrupt you at a random part oh, in yeah. our podcast. I, I pick the my favorite word out of the past uh, week and tell you what it is. So, uh, for this week, I'm going to have to go with the word hot dog, which was the word of the day on Friday, or I guess probably Saturday, because they upload them late at night. Hot dog, and I know what you're thinking, you know, this famous sausage. I'm not thinking that. I already know what you're talking about. Hot dog is actually a verb. You can use it as a verb to mean to move around in sort of a, uh, you know, over-the-top, sort of big and grand way. Says here a conspicuous or often ost- to perform in a conspicuous or often ostentatious manner, especially to perform fancy stunts and maneuvers as well, surfing or skiing. I'm a big fan of the word. Kind of like hot dog, like hot dog. Yeah, hot dog, hot diggity dog. 
it's a good word. It's like just pictures of, it just gets gets me an image of my mind of a of a, just a just a uh, hot dog just wiggling around in the air, just wiggling back and forth. It'd be a hot dog hot dogging. Yeah. That's my favorite word of the week. The hot dog and hot uh, dog. If you would like to hear more words of the week, you can uh, look at Merriam-Webster's word of... I just got my weather report text. The day. Today we're going to have a high of 84 and a low of 59. Wow. Isn't that just fucking crazy? <laughs> okay. You want me to talk about the day trippers? Yes. Okay. Well, what do you want to know about it? So I don't know what it's. I don't even know anything about this movie. I have absolutely no idea what it's about. Or I probably. I think I might have heard it mentioned, but other than that, I have no idea what it is. Okay. Well, this was a really great movie about um the uh, this this blonde lady right here. Mm-hmm. She she receives or I think she finds like a poem, mm-hmm. um, like a love poem written to her hu- to her husband, and she's she's like, oh man. Uh, Who's writing this? Uh, like, where is where is this coming from? And so, her sister, her sister's boyfriend is like, "Oh, let me see that." She's like, reads the poem, and then they try to they figure out they figure out what it means, and I'm like, "Oh, this is a love poem. Who's writing your husband a love poem? We gotta you you and like I think her sister suggests you should call him, but then the mom says, "Oh no no you yeah uh, you shouldn't call him. It's it's too easy to lie on the phone. You should uh you should confront him in person." So they go on a day trip. The whole family, they all pack, all five of them pack into the, uh, pack in, back into the, pack into the back of the car, and they drive all the way to the big city, New York City, mm-hmm. um, to try and find her husband, and, uh, it's, they just get on a, they get on a bunch of, uh, wacky detours, I think, before they even make it there, uh, before they make it there, like, the car starts freaking up, so they have to go to, a, like, a, a shop, and they go... They say it, it's a problem with the heater, so as long as you don't turn the heat on, it should be fine. They're like, they could fix it, but it would take the whole day, and that's not what they're trying to spend the whole day doing. So they say, as long as you have the heat heat down, it'll be fine. Uh, so now everyone's cold. Are they, in a, are they in a yellow Volkswagen bus, and they have to push it really no. fast and hard to get into second gear, and they have no. to run in slow motion to no. get onto it, to get to their daughter's are you referring to uh, something? dress... Uh, Beauty pageant? Are you referring to something? Yeah, I'm referring to the 2006 film Little Miss Sunshine uh, as a poster of the yellow Volkswagen yeah. with people yeah, running towards it. it. So, so they kind of uh, sounds similar. Yeah, I I've heard that kind of sounds similar in his reviews. I'll definitely have to watch that. I own it on Blu-ray. <laughs> I know you I had do. it for like two years. Um, but so like that already adds this. That's like a little bit of stress already to the uh, to their day. Now they're all cold, and um, they they make it to New York. And they go to where the, the the husband's place of work, and they can't find him. They say the the boss let him have the day off, and so they they kind of then they I think they go and just park out out front of his uh, apartment to try to try to see what ha- happens. And he they see him walking out. Or first of all, uh, the mom at, at the at his place of work, the mom finds a, le- a picture of a cake with the, uh, it says Sandy on it. And it, it, there's a picture of him with uh, with a woman, and they go, uh oh. And how far into the movie is this part? It's like twenty five minutes, you know, oh. thirty, and uh, it's only it's only eighty nine minutes. Um, and they go, oh man, who's Sandy? And but the the, the wife is like, oh, that does that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, we, there's no definitive proof. 
um, which is which is true. And then they they park outside of the guy's place, and they he see they see him walk out with the woman in the picture, and they go uh oh, and so they try to they try to tail him, but then the uh, the dad I think he has, he's has to stop at a red light, so they lose him already. <laughs> it's it's like a thirty minute car thirty second car chase, and the one person goes well that was the shortest car chase in my entire life, and then so then they get out of the car. What are you doing with that face? They get out of the car and start chasing him on foot. Wow. And uh, that's crazy. Just a bunch of just a bunch of uh, things along the way. They run. They uh, the the wife or the mom faints, so they have to go. They try to fight. They go into this random person's apartment and have lunch with him. And there's no real. It doesn't really advance the plot, but it's 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 one of the movie. It's one of those movies, kind of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or. I don't know something that it's not really about the plot. It's more about just the day. It's it only it all takes place in one day, and it's more about their lives, and uh, kind of what happens during that day. Which is I love movies like that where the plot isn't really the main main focus. But uh, yeah, and uh, I don't want to spoil it. But eventually they do they do see the husband the husband and wife meet in the big big scene. And there's there's a great uh, emotional there's there's this really great one take I think it's all one take um, scene where uh, a lot of a lot of emotions come to uh, uh, climax because there, there's a lot of kind of little things throughout the movie and people kind of have things against each other I guess and it all comes to a big big good stuff it's really great uh, <laughs> did I describe that well Zach? How about <clears throat> a girl thinks her husband is cheating, and so she and her family go on a mission to find her husband. Would that perhaps be a shorter way to say all that? Yes, but I'm giving you the details, mm. which I suppose you would get from watching the movie. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't really have any problems with the movie. Not that I can think of. It was very, very well paced. It was short and sweet. I could definitely rewatch it again. I really liked the camera work. It was very felt very um very handheld, kinda I guess, gorilla style. Um I, I thought it was really great. All the performances were really great. The has a great cast of characters. I told you the the boyfriend character is very pretentious. Mm -hmm. So he was very annoying. It was funny to watch him. He was he was a good guy, I guess, but he was just a very pretentious, annoying guy. Um and it was it was sweet. It had it was a good movie about human relations, and you know, and uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. I give it a nine out of ten. That's good to from hear. the Criterion Collection. Did you watch the supplements? I didn't watch the supplements. Didn't read the booklet. Okay. And then and then uh, I, I did watch two other features, but then I I, I watched a couple of uh, eighteen ninety six films. Mm. I watched the Rip Van Winkle Octilogy. I know you're familiar with that. You said they were all boring. Mm-hmm. And I wrote... I just copied all... I copied your review. Do you see? I wrote part of a series of eight, all of which were very blurry and hard to see. Which they were. I didn't understand what was happening at all during the entire thing. They were all very stupid. Uh, the other... The other... Only one of, of uh, significance, I guess, is uh, the aquarium one. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you could, tell, you could guess why I didn't like it. You give it half a star. It had, like, two eels in it and just a bunch of gross... Disgusting sea creatures. Wow. And they were all very cramped up together. I did not like it. I felt very... I felt bad for the fish, and at the same time, I felt 
just anxiety-ridden because I don't like fish. I think they should belong in the ocean and we shouldn't interfere with them. And there was, there's two eels. I did not like it. Luckily, it was blurry and old and black and white, so I couldn't really see their see their faces too much, which is what I really don't like about them. But the way they were slithering around really just gave me the heebie-jeebies. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, still haven't cleared out all fifty of them, but I think mm. I'll probably finish today. On the fourth, later in the day, I watched the movie entitled The Shootist. Uh, which stars James Stewart. Hold that thumb. James Stewart in 1976, <laughs> uh, but mainly it stars John Wayne uh, in his very, very last ever role uh, oh, in a movie. Was him near his death? Yeah, so was, this, he died in 1979, I think. Mm, uh, just, so just old age or what? Yeah, he's a very old man. Very old oh. and senile. Uh, uh, did he uh, look like he didn't know what was going on during the movie? No, he knew what was going on. He still got it. Uh... Yeah, uh, so it's actually I, I really like this movie. I gave it three and a half stars. Did it a lot. Um, so it basically, John Wayne, who I think it probably would have been even better if I had if I had seen more of them. Uh, right now, I've only seen three other John Wayne movies, which are the two most famous ones is Stagecoach and The Searchers. And then I also have seen um, uh, The Cowboys, which we also talked about. But this one is, out of the ones I've seen, my favorite. Because um, the movie is basically about... It's about the death of of John Wayne. Not the de- not about the death of John Wayne, but about his character. But for me, it's just so, uh, it's just so like... Just so potent because of the fact that, you know, this is his last movie and he died three years later. Mm-hmm. Apparently this wasn't planned. It wasn't even supposed to be his last movie, but... He did. He uh, this movie is about him dying, and he he got cancer basically. Mm-hmm. So he's like a, you know, just like the classic image of like an antihero cowboy guy who you know he kills, but he only kills those who deserve it and who you know try to kill him first. He's like the classic cowboy character, and to me, he's kind of the embodiment of. I, I I would I would think that he's sort of supposed to be the embodiment of all of John Wayne's, you know, Western characters put together. Um, that's how I like to see it. I know that technically that's not really how John Wayne intended it, but it's fun to look at it that way. And they start out the movie actually with a sequence of like like a couple of John Wayne's movies, and they 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 don't say they're John Wayne's movies. They they like kind of say, you know kind of just say that him and all these other movies was just his character in the movie it's a different mm-hmm. character 
uh, from any other movie. It's a new character. and uh, But they show a couple of clips, and then they uh, cut to, like, 1903 or something like that. And it's very interesting because, you know, we don't really, you don't really see anything past the 1800s in a Western movie, typically, like a classic Western movie. You don't really see that because, you know, that's when, you know, sort of the West began to become, like, civilized and they had, there there weren't as many, you know, like, wanted posters and, like, you know, bounty hunters and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's interesting because John Wayne, it's sort of like, you know, as he, he's getting older and now he kind of doesn't really have any purpose and as, uh, the whole, as, as the, as in the movie, the idea of the cowboy fades away and as John Wayne, the actor, fades away and as the classic Western genre in and of itself fades away, they're all kind of like, they're all kind of like sort of just slowly leaving the the human populace and it's done sort of it's done very it's done very I guess I would describe it as like somberly not as if it's the movie is sad but it's sort of like very very well thought out and very well put together it's very or maybe solemn might be a better word I don't know Basically, it's not like it's not like any of the other classic westerns. It's shot basically. It's shot pretty similarly to what you would see. You know, it's a modern movie. They have like handheld like shots moving through doors and stuff. There's no like, you know, if you if you'd seen those movies, you know like how they usually function. Uh, they don't have special you know camera movements or anything. But this one felt like a real. It felt like more grounded, more realistic because of how. The you know. The, you know, the the modern contemporary camera style we have, which is very handheld and sort of all over the place and not not, not as much locked off in, mo- in a lot of cases, it's sort of, I feel like the point of that is to bring more realism to movies and sort of bring you into the movie. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if, you know, you're looking around yourself. And uh, that's kind of like what this movie does. It kind of brings the whole Western crazy adventure type thing down to a simmer and brings more of the character up uh and i just really liked it a lot john wayne was a great character he was you know just yeah i just really love the guy as i've watched he's watched only four of his movies but he's just he's just such a great leading presence he's so basically he just emanates like confidence and power and uh he he just always knows what to say. I saw a video by like the nerd, one of those, you know, video essay things mm-hmm. channels. I think Nerd Writer, mm-hmm. but uh, like John Wayne always knows what to say. Like in none of his movies, where you see a moment's hesitation, like a moment where he thinks for a comeback, he's always just so like ready, and he's just ready to fight back. Even when he's angry, he keeps his cool. Just a great guy, great performances. I guess I don't know how great of a guy he was, uh, but. Yeah, um, not really explain it well. It's it's just a just a good send off to John Wayne. Uh, they had had a character had Ron Howard in it the the director the director wow. when he was very very young. That part wasn't I, that that part for me it just didn't really fit in or I didn't really see why he was there. Didn't really get it. I feel like I, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there was a reason like a real legitimate like 
like thematic reason why he was there, but I just didn't, that just didn't come across to me. And he just kind of felt out of place. Um, the, but yeah, just this, the way the story goes, um, it's sort of a very mellow story. I like the way it ended. Just a very well done movie overall. I'd recommend watching it. It's not that well seen, but it's very good in my opinion. So that's all I have to say about it. Very nice. I'm very. I guess I could open the door. How many now. westerns because have you seen? Seems like you wa you watched a lot of westerns. Uh, well, I've seen like not at all many. I could tell you if you want. I like I like good, the bad, and the ugly genre. Really great, great film. Western, but uh. Watched. Um, Ryland breaks silence oh on gosh. Shane. I've seen. <gasps> oh man. I've seen thirty-one westerns. Wow. There you go, including uh, Exit of Rip and the Dwarf, directed by William K. L. Dixon. Uh oh. Which is apparently a western. Yes. All right. Well, should I go ahead with my? Next film that I watched if yesterday. If you really want to, oh by the way, just want, just because I didn't even say it, but James Stewart plays a doctor. He's kind of a he's kind of a guest star role, uh, but he plays the doctor who diagnoses him with cancer, and he's sort of like a lifelong friend. That's why. That's why. Now wait a minute. You have cancer. Yeah. Hmm. Like that. All right. Well, uh, I watched my dinner with Andre. Hmm. You know what it's about? Yeah. yeah. It sounds very very interesting. Yeah. It was it was amazing. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously, it's shot in New York, and it's really, I really loved the look of it. It was, you see it's remastered on Blu-ray, but it still, it had, like, a lot of grain. It just looks so nice and vintage. Um, and, uh, basically it's about, it's, it's very interesting, because it's Wallace, Shawn, and Andre Gregory, and they're, they're technically playing themselves, but it's not really. It's kind of like, um... You didn't see I'm Still Here, right, with Joaquin Phoenix? No. It's kind of like that. Joaquin Phoenix, like, plays himself, but it's like, it's, uh, he's, it's like himself, but it's a kind of a different version than himself. Like, Wallace Shawn, his, his character in the movie is a, is a stage actor and a writer, and then Andre Gregory, he plays a theater director, but... And Andre Gregory actually is a theater theater director, but it's it's like not really him. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, like uh, uh, like in uh, Arrested Development, where they have like uh, yeah, I know you haven't seen it, but they have like Andy Richter on sometimes, and he's Andy Richter as Andy Richter, but he's kind of like a he's kind of like a yeah arsehole version of Andy Richter. He's kind of mm. played up. I mean, like mm. I don't assume that. They're played yeah. up for laughs, but just like, yeah. just like, the base of the human being, yeah. and then there's just like Pretty they much. just write the words they say. Pretty much. Um, basically, the the premise is uh, Wally receives a, a note or like an invitation to dinner from Andre Gregory, and uh, you know in real life they're lifelong friends, um, and in this movie I think it, he they says they haven't really talked in decades, um, and all of a sudden Andre invites him to dinner and Wallace Shawn really doesn't like him they kind of had a falling out I think and so they're I mean Wallace Shawn doesn't really like him but for some reason Andre Gregory invited him to dinner and Wallace Shawn has been hearing kind of things about he's kind of going off the deep end been doing some weird things for the past couple of years and he, he was seen like crying in the middle of a park just sobbing because he watched an Ingmar Bergman film 
something, something like something like that. And he uh, he gets to the 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 restaurant and he um, he kind of just he waits a little bit. Uh, and I think like the first couple minutes or so are are him traveling to the restaurant and it's narration kind of and he's talking about how he kind of he's uh he's living a pretty mundane everyday life he he likes it he likes his wife or he loves i think he's just his girlfriend but he loves his girlfriend his favorite thing in life is just kind of spending time with his girlfriend very simple life but he's not really complaining about it and um he gets to the restaurant and Andre Gregory shows up and um, they start talking and basically like the first 40 minutes uh, of their conversation is is really just uh, is just Andre Gregory kind of talking a bunch and, and Wallace goes uh-huh oh that's interesting and, like the voiceover he says my plan was to just ask a bunch of questions because that's what I do best uh, the only way I would make I, I saw myself making it through this this dinner is just asking questions so like the first 40 minutes that's what he does he goes oh that's interesting for like every every time the conversation kind of slows down he brings up another question keeps it going and uh andre gregory's character um he he he's been doing like a lot of spiritual stuff for the past couple years he did like some theater experiment in like the woods and he's basically just doing a lot of crazy like spiritual stuff and he got he got like buried alive in a cer- for a ceremony stuff like that he's just kind of like exploring like himself i guess for the past couple of years and uh, like figuring out stuff about himself and uh you know Wallace Shawn is kind of the exact opposite as i said he's very content with his life he doesn't really ha- have any desire to explore it and um so Andre Gregory's kind of he's talking about some interesting stuff he's got like crazy life experiences he's had in the past couple of years and then about like uh, halfway through it starts they start to actually have a conversation and it's just, it's like the most interesting conversation ever they're talking about like the most like fascinating stuff it's stuff I think about all the time how kind of they have a whole conversation about how people the way they interact is kind of like a performance we all put on a face you know when we go out he says something about um, every day I go to my apartment and I say the bellhop I say hello Jimmy and he says hello Mr. Gregory And but we're almost the same age but we're putting on a face that I'm better than him he calls me Mr. Gregory I call him Jimmy and just by that simple interaction I've kind of asserted myself that I'm a little bit more than him um, and it's just, it's very it's just very interesting and that's just kind of one talking, talking point they talk about I don't really want to remember or want to go into all of them but it it's just really stuff i i think about all the time and i i find really interesting and um yeah it's it really it really makes you think about life from a new just a kind of a new perspective um really after the movie was done i was like wow that was really great and on on his way back from the dinner he he says as i was driving home I, i looked around the city and and uh realized i've 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 like had a memory with almost every building in the place and he, he just kind of looks at life from a very from a kind of a different perspective just from the one conversation they had and that's kind of the point of the movie and it's wow. and it's amazing because it really just seems like they're just having a conversation at dinner but i mean you know it's all written down and they both sat down and wrote the screenplay and just and wanted to make it and lewis mal shot it really really good uh, direction too it was very simple but it was very cool there was a 
kind of he frames it a lot so that the mirror is in frame while Wallace Shawn is talking and you can see Andre Gregory's face in the background that's one one kind of it it kind of zooms in slowly when he starts to talk about something really interesting mm-hmm. stuff like that but uh yeah it was overall just really intriguing I, I really would like to watch it again it's just really fascinating and you know it is it's literally uh, it's an hour and 50 minutes and f- save for the beginning and end where it's Wallace Shawn's uh, voiceover it's literally them having a conversation nothing else and it's amazing it really is amazing I loved it I gave it a 10 out of 10 sounds good anything to, <laughs> anything to add yeah sounds like it sounds like the type of movie I would enjoy uh, how, how I mean it's a the movie that so heavily relies on just people talking is it was there any was there any like any any moment at all where you were kind of like uh, this seems kind of scripted. Was it all totally? F- did no, it yeah, all it totally seems, feel like a real conversation. Yeah, it's it's like. I mean, I guess it's some of the best acting I've ever seen because it ju- it feels so incredibly natural. Like it feels more natural than some of the conversations I've had in real life. Like, mm-hmm. It was really it was really great. I mean, part of it's I'm assuming because they're best friends in real life and they, uh, you know, they they've had many conversations so they kind of know how to act it out. But it was it, yeah, it didn't feel at all scripted. Not one bit. How often, I mean, was there a lot of sort of, was there a lot of long takes or did they often cut around to different people? Because I imagine, you know, if you have the ability to cut around, it's obviously a lot easier. How often, how long were the takes on average? I mean, like, for the most part, uh, when Andre Gregory was just talking for the, like, first half, it was pretty much not all all long takes, but it was was pretty much, you know, he, he talks, he talks for a bit. For a while, and it cuts to Andre. I mean, it cuts to Wallace when he says, "Oh, that's interesting." But yeah, for the most part, it's kind of like that, and then it, it starts to. And it's as they start to have more of a conversation, it cuts back and forth more, and it kind of pans from each other. It also like cuts around to different parts of the restaurant a little bit, mm-hmm. and they're also having dinner. So they they order their food, they, and then it's really cool. You wait, you wait real time. After twenty minutes, they get their appetizer. Mm-hmm. Halfway through, they 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 get their dinner. They start talking, eating their dinner. It was just really great, and then they they get their espresso at the end. It just it feels like they're having a real dinner. It all feels like incredibly real. I loved it. Does that sound interesting to you? Yeah, it does. I'll be sure to watch it. Well, I not. Own... Well, I own it. I did read the booklet for that one. I read the the first little thing that came with it, not the second thing. Do you watch supplements? No, I did not. Mm-hmm. There's only like two supplements on there. Not not much. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, mm-hmm. pal. Yep, pal. I watched. For the final James Stewart movie of the day in my James Stewart trilogy, I um, watched... The White Amount trilogy? <laughs> in the White Amount trilogy, I watched Ziegfeld Girl, which mm. was... Any relation to the great Ziegfeld? Uh, so, so, sort of. I watched, uh, I watched... Actually, I watched the introduction after because I didn't see it. Either I didn't see it or they didn't show it um, like in the starting menu because after I finished the movie it like went to like the the it went to the after you've watched the movie menu which had like you know like original trailer the original trailer and like a couple of other things and then the the big thing on top was you know introduction by whatever you know historian yeah. who and so they talked about how MGM made three uh, three like movies that were sort of a tribute to 
Florenz Ziegfeld, who was, you know, a real person. And then the first one was the great Ziegfeld in the 30s. And then they made Ziegfeld Girl. And then they made Ziegfeld Follies, also with uh, J- um, Judy Garland. Is, is this the... In 1946. Uh, is this the second? I mean, I've only seen Wizard of Oz. Have you? Is this the second film that Judy Garland... Oh, the second film seen? I've seen Judy Garland in. I think so. I'm pretty sure. I've only seen her Wizard of Oz. Yeah. she. I mean, yeah. It's pretty much the only movie she's universally known for. Obviously, you know, film fans might know her and other stuff. But yeah, it looks like that's the only movie I've seen her in. Well, she, Was she good? Uh, yeah, she was... The, well, her, the thing about the movie is it's, um... There's three different plots going on all at once, and one of the plots is Judy Garland, who is has been in, like, a, uh... Um... A vaudeville act for all of her life, just sort of doing, like, singing and dancing on stage with her father since she was, like... You know, five years old, kind of like uh, Judy Garland herself. Um, and and then Did she jump into the pool after she got told she couldn't eat no. a cheeseburger anymore. No. And then she uh, she went. And then uh, you know one of Mr. Ziegfeld's uh, you know employees went and found her and uh, said, "Hey, we love your singing. Why don't you come to be a Ziegfeld girl?" Which are like these big, uh, you know, like grand or the, well, but are you familiar with like the whole Ziegfeld Follies idea? No idea. It's sort of it's sort of like I guess you could equate it pretty closely to show choir. It's very except it's like show choir if they put less of a focus on the dancing and singing and more focus on the costuming. They basically just have like the most. They basically just have these songs and dances that are kind of fun. Oh, are you texting someone right now? No, maybe he's texting me. Oh, you should tell her we're recording our podcast. Okay, well. Okay. I'll pee in your plants. Continue. Lost a chamber of thought. You because you're a texting. chamber of thought. That's the sequel to Chain, oh, chain of, of Thought. Uh, train of Thought, I think, is it called? Train, uh, train of Thought. Chain of Thought. Okay. I did. I lost my train of thought. I had no idea what I was talking about. You are talking about the Zigfield, like, uh, show choir being more focused on yes. costuming than... than Just these big than sets. Than. They're kind of like songs that are not, you know, kind of like fluff songs. They're more like fun and entertaining uh, songs, but they have really ornate costumes and... Uh, Whoops, sorry. I'm putting on a mute now because okay. I'm texting me. Really ornate costumes and big, you know, big sets and stuff. And so she gets pulled on to be one of these Ziegfeld girls. Judy Garland? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but her father isn't going to come with her, and that's one of the plots. She and her father are estranged, and there's sort of tension there. Second plot, James Stewart and his, well... Uh, there's a girl played by Lana Turner, I think, or something like that. Yeah, Lana Turner. Mm. Who hasn't been in that many movies. Well, I guess actually that's not true. She's been in a lot of movies, but not very famous for many movies. Apparently she was in uh, uh, Singing in the Rain as actress in The Royal Rascal, uncredited. Sorry, is there some sort of 
business you need to attend to with your phone, or you want a business call, maybe you could... No, I'm just, it's just I'm going to Ivy's house at 7, so... Tend to that later. I don't know, it's just a suggestion. I'm just trying to keep up, just in case there's any announcements or something. Just checking. Sorry, I lost my chance. Because I'm going in half an hour. After we're done with this, I'm gonna leave. Yeah. And go to her house. I lost the chance of thought. No idea what I was talking James about. James Stewart. <laughs> he was doing something. A girl played by La- girl played by Lana. No, a girl named Lana Turner plays a girl who works who at, isn't very famous. At a, Actually, at a department at a department store. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, like uh, she gets seen. Kyle in Kyle McLaughlin in Blue Velvet. No idea. She he works at a department store. She gets seen in a department store by, like, one, again, one of these employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they say, hey, why don't you come and be a Ziegfeld girl? And then, you know, uh, she starts go. She starts going out on extravagant dates with other rich men who aren't James Stewart. James Stewart is a truck driver. And there's turmoil there. And then, finally, there's a girl... Who's apparently the, was supposed to be the most attractive girl in the in the oh, out of all the Ziegfeld girls, uh, who's the wife of a struggling violinist, and she gets asked to be a Ziegfeld girl, and so they're all Ziegfeld girls, and they're all together, mm. and she starts going the the most attractive lady played by Hedy Lamarr, uh, starts going out on dates with men. There's turmoil there. Lots of songs and dances, uh, and that's pretty much all the movie is. For some reason, James Stewart becomes a gang becomes a gangster at one point, which mm-hmm. I didn't understand. Very kind of brushed over, brushed over. Say, I'm not making off. Basically, the fumes. movie was way too, was, was at the same time, way too long and way too short because mm-hmm. it didn't need to be too out, over two hours long. But it also, even with two hours, you didn't have enough time to explore. All these different plot lines are all kind of rushed. Mm. Didn't really find that much interest in any of them. The one I was most interested in was the, was the one with Lana Turner and James Stewart. That one is kind of a, um, a little mini rise and fall story where she becomes in, like a drunk and she falls on stage and she gets like outcast and, and eventually... Sounds like a movie we might be talking about in a few minutes. What? She gets drunk and goes on stage. Mm. <laughs> to a movie that you might have watched. Yeah, maybe. So yeah, I gave it two and a half stars. It was the songs and dance. Usually, I say I don't like musicals. Uh, still, I still didn't like this one. Inter- I just still didn't like the musical aspects of this one a whole lot. But but honestly speaking, the the most interesting part was the song was the songs and dances and sets and stuff. It was at least um, you know. It was at least you know entertaining, kept me interested, uh, but the drama slash romance wasn't good. I will say, um, and by the end of it, I kind of completely forgot about this because it was mostly in the first half. It was pretty funny at parts. There were a lot of funny lines. There was a lady who, uh, uh, there was a lady who, what? It just it looks like your uh, that line right there, what? The, the big red line. What? It looks. This? No, the one that's like continually moving, the like the big oh, the vertical one. Yeah, it looked like it went out of focus and became two lines for a second. But I think that mm-hmm. might just be my poor eyesight. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's because there's other lines coming towards it. For yeah, a second, like it makes it gives it an illusion. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, 
Sorry, I I got it. Now. I lost my chance of thought. No, I don't know what you're talking about either. Uh, so it. Oh, in the first half, there was a lot of there was some funny parts. One of the funny one of the jokes that I laughed at uh, the most. Uh, or I mean, it 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 kind of I kind of will laugh harder at jokes in like old nineteen forties movies because they kind of like catch me off guard, like like. Um, like with how like with how funny they are like normally it'd just be like a funny joke but like like we in the context of a 1940s joke I'm like laughing at the joke and laughing at the fact that and la- and like kind of even at it even adds to it that it's in a 1940s movie mm. one of the jokes was the girl uh Lana Turner who's the mm-hmm. one with James Stewart was like uh it's like sort of debating whether or not she should marry uh they're they're telling her that you know you got to marry these rich guys they got they got lots of money and then and then she says ah but i love my that uh, i love my good boyfriend james stewart and then a lady there who is a set like a costume designer she says and get this she says mm-hmm. that's right lady marry out of love that's what I did for my marriage. And then another lady said, yeah, all five of them. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. That does sound funny. It's a good joke. That's all I have to say about the movie. All right. Well, uh, the last thing I watched last night, uh, actually, well, I finished it around 1230 in the morning, so I guess you could say I watched it today. Um, I watched Michael, the Michael Moore film in the Criterion Collection. I just love the Criterion Collection. I watched Bowling for Columbine. Are you a big fan of Clunny Brown? Yeah, I love it, yeah. I love Ernst Lubitsch. Directed by Ernst Lubitsch, who directed um, The Shop Around the Corner, which is one of the first James Stewart films I watched. Very funny. Okay. You might remember we had a conversation about it earlier on the don't. podcast. Today? Earlier on, an earlier episode. Oh, yeah, I don't remember. Um, but uh, have you seen Bowling for Columbine? Nope. You know what it's about? Nope. Oh, it's a documentary about Columbine. You know the, the mm-hmm. shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, it's partly about that, and then it, it you know it covers a lot of uh, the tragedy of that event. But it's mostly kind of about um, America and their relation with you know gun control. Mm-hmm. What that issue is still very prevalent, um, and it really really does a great deep dive into like the whole history of our our relationship with guns, and it talks about. You know, because I'm sure you know, but, uh, like, Canada, like, they have, like, 80 deaths related to gun violence a year. Paris has, like, I mean, France has, like, 300. Japan has, like, 50. And America has, it was 11,000 when it was filmed, but it was 20, almost Sorry. two decades ago. I hate to catch you off there, Kevin. I uh, just want to share one last thing from Catch Me If You Can, which is rel- oh, okay. relevant to this discussion, because in the book and in the movie, they talk about... He talks about how when he went to prison, he committed crimes internationally, which means when he was caught, he was tried in each country, and he had to mm-hmm. stay in jail in each country. And the first jail he stayed in was in France, and he had to st- He basically stayed in the worst possible conditions possible. He stayed in a pit for a. He stayed in a, a dark uh, stone pit for six months, and yeah. he got nothing but bread and. And water for that period of time he had no he didn't get to clean himself no absolutely no exposure to light nothing he was you know 
you know, to the bone, thin. And so they talked about how in France they take a no, no-nonsense policy on crime and how, uh, you know, they really, you really don't want to commit in crime in France because if mm-hmm. you do, you're gonna, it's going to be, it's not going to just be, you know, a year in, you know, kind of not being able to see your family as much. It's, it's, real, it's real punishment. Not, they don't believe in reformation in France. Mm-hmm. That's all I had to say. Just because you mentioned the gun, the rate of gun violence in France. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, it talks, it, you know, so, so it's kind of asking the question of why is there such a drastic difference? America has by far, like by, by, by far the most gun, by, uh, gun-related deaths per year. And it, uh, it kind of says, well, it's because... Um, it's because we have more of a history of violence, but it says, well, no. I mean, Germany literally, you know, in World War II, they did despicable things, but, you know, they don't kill everybody each year. And uh, the, the British did, was worse than us before America came to fruition, though, all the things they did in, with Indians, everything, you know. And to us, America. And to us, but they don't have 11,000 gun deaths a year. So it's asking, why do we have so many? And it, it talks about, there's a lot of... Um, they, they, he goes to Canada, and it, that's probably my favorite part of the movie. He goes to Canada, and he asks, like, Canadians, like, um, why do you think it is that, that uh, America gets so much more violence? And they, they, he goes around, and he asks, he starts to find out that no one, in, mostly no one in Canada locks their doors. Mm-hmm. Like at all, he, he he goes up to random houses and starts opening them. <laughs> they're just wide open. He goes, "Oh, sorry." And he walks out, and they're like, "Oh, no worries." And kind of, it's Canada has. There's a lot more. Talks about how there's like more, there's more fear in America. Um, you know, from from the very beginning of America's founding, on the news you see, oh, tonight, uh, big big crime. Uh, someone got robbed at a gas station. Someone got raped. Whatever you know, all just horrible stuff. The news is always hor- full of horrible stuff because that's kind of, um, and it does happen a what? <laughs> Tonight, big crime. Someone got robbed at a gas station. Someone got raped. <laughs> More at eleven. <laughs> um, it's talking about. I lost my train of thought. Oh no. Um, it's like kind of just the the news shows a lot more. Uh, fear in, in America, and it says in Canada, people say, "Oh, in the news, a little bunny got rescued." Not you know, that wholesome, but it's it's a lot less <laughs> of like violent and um, mm-hmm. crime related. Because the media chooses to show that, you know, instead of more wholesome things. Yeah, because that's what gets the people to exactly. watch the news. Exactly, it's it, messed up. It, it makes people more more afraid. It makes people want to buy a gun. I think it. I don't know if this is still a law, but it like, it was it was shocking. I think, uh, in Utah, some like certain city in Utah, it was, it was illegal to not own a gun, like you wow. had to own a gun or else you'd be breaking the law. And it it talks about there's like a group of like super hardcore gun nuts, and they're like, if you don't have a gun, you're not a responsible adult because you have a responsibility to yourself and the community to own a gun. And it's just like insane how people can think like that and. Uh, um, it, sorry, going back to Canada, but like in Canada, they they own they own not not as much as guns as us, but like a really a, a large amount too. And, it, and he literally, they they say you can walk into a gun and buy a, a buy a, I mean, buy sorry. a store. <laughs> yeah, you can walk into a Walmart and buy a gun, and that's true in America. But he went into Canada and they can do the same thing there. And I was I was actually I was shocked to see that, like, and 
I mean, Canada has a lot of history. They they're big hunters. They go hunting for deer. They hunt fish and whatever. So they have they have a good they have a lot of uh, love for guns too. But they don't kill everybody, and that's the question that everyone's asking. And, uh, and then he also talks about the NRA, uh, Charlton Heston. He he died in two thousand eight, but he was the leader of the NRA, which I didn't know um, until you know he died and. It's just he's a like the worst person ever. After after Columbine, he held a rally like not even a week after Columbine happened. He held a rally, held an NRA rally in in the same city that it happened. Um, mm. And then another another thing that happened in in Michael Moore's hometown, a, a six year old, um, a six year old I think a six year old boy went to school with a gun that he found in his uncle's like garage. And it's obviously not the little boy's fault. It's the uncle's for not being uh, responsible with the gun. But he takes it. He took it to school and killed a, another classmate of his, another six-year-old girl, shot her right in the face and killed her. And then uh, Charlton Heston held a gun rally in the same city, like no less than a week after that happened too. And it, I mean, he's just the most disgusting person. And uh, at the end, Michael Moore goes to his house and actually does an, an interview with him, and it's a really great interview. And he, he says, um, "Do you think it's at all kind of wrong that?" You know, you held this rally, you know, not even a week after um, Columbine happened, and he goes, and he, he's avoiding the question, classic, like, political response, and it's, it's just so enraging. Um, may he run hell. He died in 2008 and got Alzheimer's before that, so he didn't go quick. Good. That's what I say. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, that's about all I have to say for the documentary. It was really, really uh, informative. It was really entertaining too. Michael Moore's a really great filmmaker. He's really funny, and um, there, he does a. There's a segment, as I said. There's a, there's a whole segment talking about America's history and like fear, like why we're we have so much fear instilled in us and why we have such a relationship with guns. And it's it's uh, I'm pretty sure at least it sounds exactly like the guy who plays Cartman in uh, South Park because he interviews the creator of South Park too because he comes from the same city where Columbine happened. I think he actually went to Columbine, um, but yeah, they they do a whole animated segment where a, a bullet jumps out and says, "Well, when we were in uh, 1700s, we got chased by the British, and then we got afraid that our slaves were going to revolt, and then blah 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 blah." So it's kind of talking about all the fear that's been instilled in us. It was just really great. It was entertaining. That segment was really funny and uh, informative at the same time. It was just a really solid, really well-made documentary. It's very important to watch, I think. It gives a lot of good information. I learned a lot of stuff, definitely. And it was very, uh, very good. It's funny, too, because he interviews a lot of crazy gun nuts. And <laughs> there's this one where the guy goes, I sleep with a 44 Magnum on my, under my pillow every day. He's like, I mean, everybody says that. You don't actually do that, do you? And he's like, no, I do. And he takes him his, his, into a, his room, and he shows him. And he goes, and sure enough, he had the gun under his pillow. And then he, the guy takes the gun and puts it to his head, like, as a joke. <laughs> like, it's crazy. He just goes, ah, I'm good. He's like, ah. And Michael Moore's like, what are you doing? Don't do that. He's like, that's, he's like, that's a loaded gun. He's like, I'm not going to shoot it. I know how to use a gun. It's like, just so many crazy people out there. Yeah. But uh, that's about all I have to say for that. It was a really great documentary. Wow. What do you think about that? What does that have to do with bowling? Um, the two guys that shot up the school went bowling right before they, they did that. They did two rounds of bowling and then went and shot, shot Columbine. Mm. That's, that's why. Yeah. 
Well, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Is that one you own? Yeah, I own it on Criterion. Mm. Its buy number is it? Um, nine hundred something. Mm. I watched today just a couple, just an hour ago. Well, maybe. I think I should do mine first, and then you do the recommendation last. All right. Oh, Plus, I, I, finished also, be- I finished it before you. I should also probably find a recommendation for you. Jerk. Are you going to zone out as I'm talking? No. Well, I watched uh, All That Heaven Allows, is what I watched today, directed by Douglas Sirk on another Criterion Collection film. Mm-hmm. I loved it so much. It was really great. It was a romantic film um, from 1955 with two really great lead performances. Um, it's about, I think she's like in her early 40s, she looks like, and she's, she starts... Um, She's she's a widowed, she's a widowed woman with two grown-up children, and she lives in kind of perfect suburbia town where everyone's, uh, you know, gossipy, wine moms, um, <laughs> uh, kind of you know that kind of neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. and um, she starts to fall for um, the the main the main guy, um, the gardener. And I think he he's probably, he looks early 30s, so he's like 10 years younger than her, which is one thing that everyone in her neighborhood doesn't approve of. And she, she really, it's, it's, you can tell they really love each other, and they, they have such a great chemistry together, and they have such a great romance, and I loved watching them. It was, a, it was like, um, it happened one night. It was just really great chemistry, really great romance, and... Um, they they start to get torn apart because her children really heavily at least her son does really heavily disapproves of her uh, her her romance with the guy. Yeah. Um. That's awesome, Kevin. But uh, you know, what was you? Get? I wasn't actually done talking. Well, we don't really have enough time. We do. Ten minutes. Um. But yeah, it was really great, and they get together at the end. Obviously, it's a romance. But it was really bright. It was really beautiful, and the the cinematography was just gorgeous. Zach, can I tell you? It was just gorgeous. There were so many colors throughout the entire thing. It was flush on film, obviously, and it just looked so great. It looked. It was one of the best looking movies I've seen in quite a while. Every every single frame had so much color. It looked like a painting. It was just really great. And that's about all I can say. I give it an eight out of ten. I really loved it. I watched the movie. That's all I watched, and then I watched a couple of 1986 shorts after that while you were finishing stuff. I watched just Stars Born. Yes, the Bradley Cooper one. About Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. The fourth rendition. Who fall in love mm-hmm. and have a dog. And then the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Right? No. Did they get a dog? Did I miss them? Did they get a dog? What? I don't remember. Yes, they got a dog. I don't remember. I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I'll, uh, when I first started watching this movie, I was kind of like... I was kind of... As I got... Uh, near the end of the movie, the first half of the movie kind of got better in my mind because I was kind of coming at it from a mindset of, you know, it's of it'll be the basic like um, musician, you know, like yeah. rise and fall. That's what I thought story. when I saw the trailer. And I said, oh, that doesn't look great, but um, but it's not it really. Is. And as I was watching, I was noticing like they're not they're not really hitting on those beats you would think they would. They're kind of like. They're kind of like not showing those scenes that you would typically see. They're kind of like letting you fill in those gaps and not really making that the focus. Can't really think of an example, but yeah, like I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like 
the rise and fall of Lady Gaga. Like they're not, like they're not showing, um, like they're not, they don't show like Lady Gaga saying no, but they don't really show a lot of Lady Gaga like fighting with her, um, like with her manager. They don't have like a scene where she fights with her manager or anything. It's not, it's not like what you think it is. It's not like, it's not like, but I want to do my own thing and she gets like sucked in or anything like that. It's kind of like a movie where no one is really the... No one is really the villain necessarily, because I was coming up from the mindset of oh, this manager is gonna wreck everything, and he's gonna be like, uh, he's gonna like ruin their dynamic, and she's gonna be, you know, estranged from her husband Bradley Cooper. But it's really not like that. Like no one is the no one is the real, no one is like the protagonist, and no one, well, no one is the antagonist. And every every all the characters are sort of, none of them are all good or all bad. They're all sort of just like. They all have their own flaws, and uh, I mean, except for maybe maybe Lady Gaga, but uh, and a phenomenal performance. Yeah, uh, I would say, I apparently the ending was supposed to be emotional. You I didn't feel any emotion from that. Didn't Seriously? get any of that. <laughs> okay. No. You didn't, you didn't feel their love for each other and how emotional it was when he killed himself. No, that's the thing. I didn't really get. They didn't really feel their... They just feel like there wasn't enough time just... I mean, there was a lot... There was time spent with them developing their relationship, but it always felt... There wasn't... didn't really feel like there was a lot of development or enough development to make me care. That's just how I felt. Mm. I mean, like, I understand what they were going for. I don't think it was... I don't think there was really anything better they could have done, and obviously a lot of people liked it, but for me, it just... they. They didn't really have enough setup for it to pay off. Her, is, is, I didn't. Well, I, I, I haven't seen it in two years. But just that one scene, her, her emotion, her performance in that song is so like powerful. Mm-hmm. Or the way she sings, like it's amazing. She's she's such a beautiful singer. Mm-hmm. You didn't get that at all. You didn't feel any. Like I got choked up when it ended. Nope. And then it cuts to Bradley Cooper. No. Man, you're just maybe a if I saw it in theaters, I don't know. Just didn't. Uh, but yeah, we have to finish up soon. So I gave it three and a half stars. Wow, right. a cynical yeah. jerk. What? I'm just actually trying to share my opinion, and you don't have to call me cynical jerk because of it. Why don't you just, just respect saying, my opinion? I don't actually think you're a cynical jerk. I'm just over exaggerating, Zach. Oh, uh, okay. So now I'm well, gonna. Re- now it's time for the rec- recommended. It's movie. time for the recommendation. Sit down and listen to the recommendation. I'm gonna recommend the film The African Queen. Mm. That win best picture? No. Oh. Did it? No, no, it didn't. It was on my hundred. It was it was on my three hundred movie list, uh, mm-hmm. and it's very good. It stars Humphrey Bogart, and it's about yeah. he. It's not he's not his typical gay, like noir type, you know, like you know, manly character. He's kind of more of a like a wacky, funny character. It's a very interesting movie. I think it's funny, entertaining, and you know has some depth too. Where is it available? Is available on Pluto TV and mm. also a- Amazon Prime apparently. Mm. So yes, very fun. Okay, and now we check our email. We gotta check our emails. Uh, be any. Looks like we didn't actually get any emails this week. Hoping for next week though. Our email is rweekinfilm at gmail dot com. <laughs> if you just want to shoot uh, shoot us an email, okay. just uh, and well. we'll read it. Yep, and with that we have to go. Well, as I always say, uh, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. closer.